you are listening to Let's Talk Security podcast where we interview cybersecurity startup founders and enterprise CEOs cover the latest in security threats and best practices I am Arvind a founder of Newfang and Skizzy Paul is the CEO of White Canyon Software, a data security company used by 44 of the Fortune 100 companies. They specialize in uh, data erasure. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Arvind. It's a pleasure to be here on the Let's Talk Security podcast. It's a pleasure to talk with you and your audience. I uh, definitely appreciate the chance on our side. Uh, we are a data security company. Our name is White Canyon Software. and our main product is wipe drive which is a secure it asset erasure platform and we've been in business for 22 years uh we focus the, the entire focus of our company is the secure erasure of your it assets at end of life or reallocation reuse and that is the uh niche we've been in for 22 years actually um very proud of that and with the data issues that have been growing and increasing over the last couple of years um the uh, it's, it's been a great time to be here at wipe drive fantastic so you started your career at uh, varna systems i did correct i um i started here actually in tech support technical support 12 years ago um i I uh, had the chance to move up into management and then into sales and I was offered the uh, CEO role about 3 years ago because I have an MBA and extensive experience with the company and the industry and I've been in that role ever since so you've been close to tech for about uh, 20 odd years and cybersecurity around a decade correct correct and it's it's been great to see some of the changes it's it's constantly evolving which is the fun part about cybersecurity and and uh software and it's headed into a very complicated time for sure complicated definitely for sure so how have you seen this industry evolve in the last decade uh, from your perspective of course you know there are a lot of things that are going on and uh, it could be your general take or how you see it through through your business as well the the uh, cybersecurity area the industry has evolved in the manner of the attacks uh we deal with protection so the attacks have become much more what's the word for it complicated mm-hmm. much more robust and much more targeted as well yeah Uh, we see actors out there looking to not only do ransomware attacks so they can they're going to target any computer on your system on your network um whereas previously it was more focused on attacks focused attacks on key stakeholders right. or key equipment or key locations and that has been that has caused i i feel an, a major issue and headache for IT security teams as they try to address all computers rather than you know a small segment of their IT assets great so this is one of the things uh, that as part of white canyon you have done where uh, 
the nature of securing data or wiping them and decommissioning systems has changed uh, correct correct the the industry itself has also evolved as far as data protection um, data security or data erasure is nothing new it's it's something that's been around since the 70s or 80s since the early tapes um, but the desire to move away from physical destruction has increased which means uh, corporations are looking for a data ratio tool to either a help with their sustainability report or uh, in, in their um, internal uh, prerogatives to help with a with the circular economy and these two have driven an interest and a greater need for data ratio throughout the market and this is every corporation that has an IT asset. But at the same time, the technology on the erasure side has continued to increase. We previously, we're just doing three and a half inch magnetic drives. Um, that has now evolved into SSDs, high volume SSDs, um, NVMe drives. There's now T2 chips. Uh, there's, you know, there's technology that's continued to increase. We have hammer drives and possibly mammer drives coming out in the next three to five years if they do, if they are actually released. And so we have the technology side is increasing, the use case is increasing, and the compatibility is a big issue for data ratio platforms like ourselves. But we also have the desire on the market side, the, the demand is also increasing as, as decision makers realize Shredding an eighty to one hundred and fifty dollar SSD is not sustainable, and therefore they need to have an alternative, and that's where products like ourselves have become beneficial. Uh, those for audience who might not be completely clear, when you say data erasure, can you walk us through that life cycle? What that looks like? Yes. So data erasure, yeah, it is kind of a ubiquitous term. So um, data erasure, from our viewpoint, is the um, is the secure erasure of any data on a media device, uh, which makes that data unrecoverable by any means out there, forensic or software-based attacks. Um, the, the data erasure market itself uh, views data erasure as a, as a concern or a, a possible weakness is what it's been viewed at in the past um, due to ATA commands and other industry, um, what's the right word for it? Industry, um, standards, there we go, industry standards, um, data ratio has become much more much more accepted and assured. And then there's certifications behind that that ensure that the data is erased. Uh, on, on our side, as far as the implementation goes, it is actually accessing the drive, accessing the storage area where that drive, where the data is located, and either overriding it with a zero or a one or any, um, any recommended or required overwrite pattern. And this, it becomes two different 
types of the implementation becomes two different types of methods with magnetic based drives it's a you know it's using the master file table erasing all the data on every sector and every every um, bit and byte on that magnetic drive on ssds it's much more complex ssds have a uh, storage area of let's say it's a 120 gigabyte drive it's actually more like 140 150 gigabytes uh, worth of memory chips and we access all of those memory chips using the ATA commands and with those we're able to properly access identify and then overwrite the data on those chips as well and that's how the implementation goes on the data erasure um, platforms like ourselves got it so one is uh, the sustainability of it where you recycle uh, the devices uh, either to discard it or to resell and the other is to ensure that in either of these cases uh, the data that is residual on disk or on memory is cannot be recovered correct correct that that is the ultimate requirement and ultimate goal of any data erasure platform is to make the, the data unrecoverable uh, there's verification methods out there um, that are standard and also required by different agencies uh, like the IT asset disposition market has a verification standard of three drives out of a hundred must be tested to ensure that all the data has been removed from those devices. Uh, those standards ensure that um, when that device leaves your facility, all the information is securely erased and there's no data to be recovered whatsoever. Got it. And do you typically see uh, data erasures happening at end of life or, uh, you know, when employees move out and uh, the machine is, you know, reassigned to someone else or during those situations? Yes, it's a, it's a mixed bag. So most typically data erasures use an end of life and always use an end of life, regardless of the industry. Um, the ones that have been kind of the, the first to require it are the financial and healthcare sectors because they have HIPAA and FISA laws that, that there are penalties or financial um, penalties if they don't securely erase all the data before it leaves their facility. So those industries kind of pioneered that demand. Uh, GDPR was right behind that. With GDPR, you have most of Europe and most Fortune 500 companies now require the erasure of data before the end of life or at the end of life stage. Um, even before it's shredded or whatever happens to that device, they want to wipe a certificate of it prior to anything else happening to that device. Um, but we also see a lot of implementations of data erasure for reallocation or reassignment of devices. So like you mentioned, if an employee leaves, need to reassign that laptop, it's just peace of mind knowing that all the data is gone from that, that device before you reassign it. And ensuring that using, you know, that employee or someone else gets access to that laptop, that with any data forensic equipment or software, they can't jump on there. And, you know, maybe there was a secretary, you know, to the executive board that had that laptop previously. And there were emails on there or other, you know, files that are pertinent to the company. And now it's assigned to a, you know, a, a tech and employee. You want to make sure that all that data is erased and that you have a certificate of that to ensure that process. Um, that's kind of the other use case that we've seen on our side. Um, mobile devices throws a wrench in that. 
um, because a lot of employees or a lot of companies have a BYOD policy. And so if they brought their own device and they leave your organization, all of a sudden you have to ask them to erase their personal phone and personal mobile device. And there's some headaches there as well. But uh, for the most that sort of ties into the next uh, rather doubt that I had. So in, in case of systems, uh, whether you know, if it's an on-premise data center or if it's, if it's a laptop or a PC, there's a specific drive uh, and sectors that you can erase, right? Uh, but in case of, say, a mobile phone where only parts of it contain sensitive data or a cloud storage system where you're storing your data and typically uh, on cloud, you just delete uh your storage buckets and then assume that you know that data is deleted is or is there a requirement to uh, do this sort of data erasure in the cloud as well where you don't know what physical you know hardware the data is on correct so there are some limitation of course to the data erasure for mobile devices um, absolutely we can't erase the cloud storage part of any any user's mobile data now um, what we do on our side to kind of protect to ensure protection for our corporations and IT asset companies is we check and see if they have a, <coughs> excuse me, a cloud storage or iCloud or any type of cloud storage set up on that device. And if they do, we give a warning and say, hey, we can't erase this device. So we go through and ensure that all those connections are removed from that device first. And if they are, then we can then um, erase that device. And we use all the methodologies and libraries possible to, to erase all of the memory on that device and go through and verify that. And then we reinstall <clears throat> excuse me, the operating system back onto that device after we're done. So we can, on that physical device, address it properly and secure all the, securely erase all the data on that device. But you are correct. As far as the cloud goes, uh, we do not have access to that. Also, there's redundant systems. There's multiple data centers involved, possibly. We can't address the cloud storage side of mobile devices, but only that physical device. Yeah, understandable. But do you think uh, the cloud providers themselves during their end of life uh, or during recycling do something similar? Yes, and we've actually seen a great change in the, the data centers and the cloud providers out there. Previously, over the last five years to a decade that cloud and AWS and so on have really grown, they have all required that devices, drives, so on, storage media in their data centers are shredded. We're talking across the board. You know, nothing leaves that facility unless it's the size of a, you know, a couple microbytes or, you know, a couple, you know, I don't even know the size, millimeters, I guess, is the right size, right? Um, but what's happened is because of the sustainability uh, report in the circular economy, these large data centers who have been shredding high-value devices and drives for years have said, hey, this is not sustainable. What is an alternative? And so we actually have seen the Fortune 3 come to the data erasure area um, industry and say, hey, we want to erase SSDs in our data centers, which is a major change. It's a major shift in what's acceptable, what's agreeable, and what's allowed in these data centers. And so what we're going to see is these SSDs addressed properly, securely erased, 
you know, multiple verifications if necessary. But at some point, they will start leaving these data centers and be resold, reused out there in the uh, in the second-hand economy or market. So that's what we're excited about. We, <coughs> on our side, we feel like the Fortune 97 behind them and the Fortune 497 behind them as well will soon follow suit. And that means more SSDs will be on the market, more SSDs will be reused rather than shredded into uh, little tiny <laughs> millimeters. Absolutely. Uh, so in your experience, at what stage uh, do you see businesses considering this type of security? And uh, or, or it's, is it not dependent on stage, but more what sector the business is in? Typically, startups do not really look at cybersecurity the, the way larger enterprises do, right? As a result, they may not adopt even some things like this. So but, uh, when, when do they decide that maybe we should look at how employees, how, how we dispose of systems, reassign them, what happens to the data that resides within our systems? Yeah. Um, so for most of the Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000, excuse me, this, this has come up on the radar in the past probably five years or six years to be addressed. And for the most part, these large corporations address the IT asset at the end of life cycle. And they either do it with a third party service provider that comes in, erases those devices, and then maybe they handle the resale or they buy the systems from the that corporation and they handle the, you know, the sale and the, the processing of those systems. The other part of it is um, the leasing market where these IT assets are leased to, an, to a corporation. At the end of the lease, they, the leaser comes on site, erases all the device or the corporate corporation has their own employees erase the devices, receive those certificate of destruction reports, and then those devices are returned off lease. Uh, there's very few circumstances where a corporation is now selling their own IT assets on the refurbished market. For the most part, they are using a third-party service provider, or they're just using a leaser that manages that whole process for them. Um, and that's across. And that's across every sector and every industry. That's for the most part, they're all on board with that type of uh, one of those two scenarios. Uh, we don't see that changing anytime soon, just because there, there's a cost savings with, with both of those that a corporation really can't do without. Got it. So is it fair to say that uh, the adoption on younger companies is still low and it's mostly corporates uh, who engage with this? Um, the age of the corporation does matter, um, typically because the IT asset is still good for about three years. So for new startups and new corporations, they're not really going to get to that end of life cycle until, you know, three to five years down the road. Um, at some point, they will have to address it. And depending on their size, uh, they'll have to figure out the right way to manage that, that data and manage that end of life, you know, for the IT or process for the IT asset. But for the most part, um, it's typically large corporations that worry about it. Uh, we do get calls from the whole market. So school districts, local governments, federal government, state agencies, uh, dental offices. Uh, you have a lot of organizations out there that are worried about data privacy and data security, and they are taking steps to make sure that that data has been erased before it leaves their facility. Now, with the new California data privacy law, 
There's a few penalties in there that people are worried about. Um, that's going to kind of drive this into the future. Uh, but there's also a federal data privacy law that's in committee right now. And when that comes out, it'll be across the board for every industry, every organization, every corporation in the U.S. And that'll be very great. That'll be very, uh, what's the word, beneficial for consumers. I don't think there's going to be a lot of teeth in it. So there's not a lot of financial penalties for organizations to ensure that they are compliant. But I think as time goes on, there might be some heat added to those, those legislate the legislation in the future. Yeah, uh, I was talking to uh, Shikil from Astra Security around something similar. And it's a similar trend that he noticed where earlier businesses had to do a lot of education to customers about security and best practices. And he noticed the trend where uh, users and customers themselves were uh, arming themselves with knowledge and seeking out vendors to solve those problems. You know, like similar to the variety of uh, customers that you mentioned who are coming to you and saying, hey, this is something we need. Uh, so do you see as an extension of this uh, end users ever getting something like this? Or is, is there a market yes. that's growing? Yes. The, the maturity of the market industry has kind of reached that tipping point where most organizations have kind of come to a realization of how important a, the data is, and B, also the risk of the data as well and how they, how they need to manage that data. So they are kind of come to that self-knowledge of, okay, I need to have a solution. What's the solution out there? Let me go educate myself. And they go out onto the internet and other sources to find recommendations and best practices and things like that. So we see that happening with the end users, both, both on the consumer side for you know, your aunt and uncle or grandparents getting rid of a computer and also to small, like I mentioned earlier, dental offices, but also large corporations saying, you know, hey, we use a third-party service provider. Is it, are we doing this sustainably? Are we reusing our assets? Are we losing some value by shredding? There's a lot of different components here that, that everyone's kind of educating themselves on, and the market is maturing itself to really across the board data erasure in every industry, every entity on every IT asset before it leaves our facility. The most relevant question of our times is with COVID, you know, more and more people are working remotely, especially under infrastructure you know, that's not set up to be remote. So what are your thoughts on uh, mitigating some of these potential data breaches in the setup and uh, what sort of role you know, data erasure plays into it? as a second part to that question. First, you know, first we need to applaud our industries, <coughs> excuse me, our corporations, our government, everyone going remote so quickly. This couldn't have happened 10 years ago. Yep. We saw we saw school children work remote within 3 weeks. If we had a plan to have every school district be able to go remote, it would have taken a decade or two decades to roll that out. And they literally did it in three weeks. And that goes, A, it's a testament to the technology that's available, um, how widespread internet is in every home, but also it has brought up major data concerns. Uh, 
I, I forget the numbers, but I think it was around 88% of employees worked from home from March to at least July of 2020. In that time, corporations rolled out VPNs and other systems to manage the connections from home networks into their work or corporate networks. But also what we saw is you know, remote office workers downloading corporate data to their home computers. And if yeah. you didn't have a work laptop assigned to you or you took your work desktop home, all of a sudden you're logging in with your home computer, accessing that information, maybe possibly downloading it to your home computer. And now it's on the CISO side or the data security side. Yeah. This information is now located in a non-secure site. Yeah, possibly on the same Another, router that your kid uses, your yeah. wife uses, perhaps even your neighbor. Yes. Exactly, where your password is maybe Iron Man 24, or, yeah. you know, where, you know, corporations have spent millions, if not billions of dollars to protect their network. Yeah. And within yeah. a month, their employees are accessing their information from home unsecured networks. So this is a major headache. Um, you can almost put a label on it, calling it a data spill, yeah. a mass data spill throughout home offices. And how do you as a corporation manage that? You are you going to require that your employees erase that IT asset when they come back into the office? If so, are you going to require a certificate of destruction? You know, how are your employees going to feel about this when they have a home computer with photos and videos and other things on there? And when you run that erasure platform, they go, well, I don't know if I have everything backed up or I don't know if I've saved everything somewhere. I don't want to lose my son's video from when he was two years old. That's so cute. And so you have these possible headaches that have appeared as, you know, the executive team and management, IT managers and so on out there said, hey, how do we protect our data when we don't know where it's at? And that's the conundrum or the problem that's up right now. And it's it's got to be solved in the next six months to a year. All right. So there's still no solution for it. There's... Or there's some, you know, there's different ways companies are trying to address it. On mm-hmm. our side, we're offering, you know, a, a wipe drive remote kill tool where we can provide them with a wipe drive tool that they can then, pre- you know, present a link or, you know, they store it on their network and they send a link to their customer, to their employee and say, hey, erase your computer with this program. Mm-hmm. Now that tool will go and erase that computer, will send the report back to an email address, a corporate email address, or to a corporate network location or database so that it's stored and you can maintain that device has been erased. But I think on the other side, the IT managers need to find out how many of their employees are accessing their information from home computers. What To what extent is the data spill? Right. Because it can't be addressed until they know how many computers you know, they need to, to focus on it. I think that's the next step on their side. Well, it's, I mean, they did a great job of going remote, talking about keeping your revenue going, keeping your business in business. I mean, the demands to do that were so high. They jumped through the hurdles. They got it done. And then this is some of the ramifications from that. So it can be solved. It's not, you know, it's not a do or die situation. It can be resolved and, and addressed, but it has to be addressed properly. And unfortunately, you're dealing with individual employees with their home, ask, you know, home computers, uh, IT assets, home computers that you now have to get them to erase. And so uh, it's it's not going to be a fun job for any IT manager, that's for sure. 
Yep, absolutely. It's going to be a headache for them, but it can be addressed. And with the right, you know, like our wipe drive tool, you can push that out and have these systems erased. Or maybe you have them bring them into your office and maybe you trade them out for another system and say, hey, trade in your computer you've been using. Here's a work laptop we're going to give you instead. Or, excuse me, or a different device. Yeah. We'll trade it out for that one. We're, that way we can erase your device and we know that one's secure. Something to that effect. Yeah. So I have two questions on uh, this particular uh aspect of you know working remotely what are some of the things that uh, rather what are the tips and suggestions that you have uh, that are easy to do low hanging fruits for uh, for a team that's remotely managed to stay secure and what what are the wrong ways it has been executed uh, that you have personally seen sure i'd love to share some tips first off Well, we've seen a lot of a lot of mistakes happen, a lot of uh, horror stories for sure. Um, the number one is access, and there's two points of access. That's on each of these devices. So on home computers, each organization needs to require a password on each home computer or user profile that has access to their VPN. That's first and foremost basic level permission restriction. Second is home Wi-Fi networks. You. These organizations have employees that have a router at home that's might be five, six years old, and it's using old encryption technology, um, old password keys, or easy to break password keys. I'd I'd say the next step is to have all your employees update their router to the latest, uh, latest and greatest technology out there. Um, change your password to a much secure password and create two different Wi-Fi networks, which you can can do now, where you have an internal or home network that you only have one password for, for one computer or for your work computers. And then for guests, for family computers, family devices, iPads, tablets, TVs, you know, Alexas, everything out there, put that on the other network. Um, separate those two out, have two different keys, and just keep them secure as possible. Now, this isn't an end-all solution. Any any cybersecurity person out there is going to say, well, these are home networks. You know, I send you a little email, and I can get on there, and, I'm, and then I'm going to take control of your computer in the middle of the night. I can use your VPN to access your company networks. I can run ransomware on those yeah. devices and go there. Um, it's not an end-all. This is just a low-hanging fruit to protect your organization. And uh, there are a lot of cybersecurity uh, tools out there that are trying to focus on these home networks and how to protect them or protect the VPN that, that you know, connects to these home networks. So that's being addressed by different individuals and, and tech out there on the market. On our side, that's our best, our first <laughs> initial steps is access, protect that access, limit that access, and of course, password protect that access. Yep, great. Uh, any mistakes that you would like to share? <laughs> um, let's see. There is a, a corporation out in Denver. Um, they had a remote workforce. They had, they'd never had anyone go remote previously. They had them all go remote. And a employee on the accounting side had access to their monthly financials. Mm-hmm. He put it onto his computer, his laptop, 
And at some point during the pandemic, he let his kid use that laptop and took it to college. And that laptop's now in the wild. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to say what's egregious, what's not. Yeah. But that, that data security level, we're going to hear more and more stories. I, I don't think we've even gotten to the tip of the iceberg as far as uh, data breach stories from remote, remote workers. But it's going to, to be really a headache. And uh, hopefully corporations can get ahead of this uh, over the next six to nine months or a year yeah. and address these all properly. Yeah. Maybe most of them don't even know that it has been breached. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, let's say a, a, an employee put on their home computer and then on a thumb drive and their daughter needed that thumb drive for school and grabbed it. And now it's in the wild. There's so many different potentials and opportunities for this data to get out there. And unfortunately... Um, I guess the plus side, we shouldn't look at the negative side. Yeah. The plus side is over the next year or two years, remote workers are going to be addressed properly. The data is going to be addressed properly. What we're going to have is a remote workforce that can work anywhere and that data be secure as well. Yeah. And there's, I don't know how they're going to do that. There's definitely different options to kind of address it. And it's going to be interesting to see what the market accepts and starts uh, implementing, you know, corporation by corporation. Yeah. And I think that's a great point that, you know, earlier the market of remote workers and remote teams, uh, it wasn't big enough for security vendors to build solutions for them. Now they have enough incentives to build out these systems, keeping those workflows in mind. So I, th I think it, it's sort of like a circle where now because these systems exist, now companies are more willing to let their teams work remotely even beyond the pandemic. Yes, and there's a cost savings too. If you can save on your leases, there's a, there's other kind of factors that are kind of pushing for remote workforce. And if you can limit your costs on leases or on office space or or other parts of your your cost structure and expense reports, um, there's bigger drivers pushing for this. So I think it will become a, a larger part of our kind of um, industry. Yeah. I don't think it'll be 100% across the board. I don't think everyone will have a home office. Yeah. But I think there'll be hybrid hybrid type of schedules will be kind of the norm. And those that can work remote may work remote the rest of their lives. Yeah, I can only imagine the digital nomads being mad at this. Because now all of their favorites, hotspots are going to be taken by regular people who have gone remote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great, Paul. Uh, those are all the questions I had. It's been very useful. Anything that you'd like to add or share? Sure. It's, it's a pleasure to be on Let's Talk Security podcast with you. Um, for your, your listeners and your audience, if you have any questions on data security, please come and talk to us. Uh, White Canyon Software is our, our company name. Our main product is called White Drive. We've been in business for 22 years. We know data security backwards and forwards. So we're here to help and assist in any way possible. And we'd love to be a resource for any of your audience members of media. Yep, great. Thank you so much, Paul. It was great talking to you. Thanks for listening and see you again on next week's episode of Let's Talk Security.